Hello, and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-hosts, Ms. Kirsten Kordasek. Kirsten, how are you? Great. And Mr. Alex Roy. Alex, hello. Hello, Edward and Kirsten. <laughs> so formal. So, so, so today we are talking about uh, a topic we actually haven't really discussed on the show for a little while, which is why I'm glad we're getting back to it. Um, it's a topic that is sometimes more controversial than you might think it would be. Uh, and that topic is LIDAR. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we are joined to discuss this fascinating sector with uh, Angus Pakala, who is the CEO and co-founder of Ouster. Uh, Angus, welcome to the Atonicast. Thanks all. Happy to be here. Um, are let's you suspend. Are you whoa, 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 whoa. Here's my tough question before Alex jumps yeah. in. Are you happy oh. to be there, though? Are you really happy? Because, I mean, Alex Roy's on the show, so, you know. This is a break from my normal routine, so anything that is different is is usually interesting, and uh, and I look forward to it. Okay, Alex, okay. go ahead and ask all your tough questions now. Uh, a year and a half ago, I walked into the basement of CES, and there was a booth, an ouster booth. Oh yes, and I walked up. It was all I walked up to someone. I we were all three I, there. In your right. version of the story, <laughs> you're there. Let's just be clear about that. And so I approached someone in the booth. Angus, maybe it was you. And I asked where the name Ouster came from. Were you the man I approached? I, I may have been, but uh, I've I meet about uh, you know five thousand people every time I go to CES, and I, I honestly can't remember. Um, <laughs> it would have, you would have remembered my uh, my line of questioning. So uh -huh. a lot of people ask about the name Ouster. So I, I think I have the most awesome guess, and if I'm right. Uh, there's a lot of baggage with it. All right, go for it. Does ouster come from the the Hyperion Cantos science fiction series written right. by Dan Simmons? Wow. That's exactly right. Are you kidding me? That is the reference, yeah. Did anyone else know this, including Damon Labyrinth, your comms person? Of course Damon knows this. <laughs> the Damon no okay. It's actually, okay. It's all, at, th at this point, it's on our website, so... Oh, that's it is? Not, that's not that impressive of a, of a guess. Oh, oh so the one place did, I didn't Alex look. Did <laughs> yeah, it's right there on the website, on the about. Uh, yeah, hold on Alex a minute. Did, Alex, used, uh, Alex used Tradecraft learned by reading the deposition of Elon Musk uh -huh. and Google. <laughs> that's not true. Oh, oh my God. Uh, but, uh, well, wait a second. Hold on a minute. According to your website, it says here, <laughs> the Ousters are a technologically advanced tribe dedicated to using technology to live in harmony. Where did you get that definition? That's it's, insanity. It's, it's, a, it's a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase of the book. Okay. I, you know, it's, it's important that you don't give away, uh, you know, one of these great works of science fiction on our website. People aren't going to take that well. So we had to paraphrase and kind of you know, strip out the, the real meat of who the Asters are. No spoilers. No spoilers. Exactly. Okay, I'm not giving anything away, but I found, I found years ago when I saw your company name, I thought it was fascinating. I had just finished book two. And at that time, my takeaway of who the Ousters were was that they were, um, well, you know, they are humans. I think you're who, about to spoil something here. I'm not. Humans who went into space and did not and allowed genetic modification so their bodies could adapt to the conditions. They were totally agnostic on what the correct form was as long as they, it conformed to necessity. That was my read. And so you're, the name of your company, I thought that like, was you know, in that frame, frame, you know, frame, uh, frame of mind. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, conformed to necessity. I don't think it, I think they went a little further than that. They had okay, embraced yes. they had embraced their technology to yes. kind of uh, self-realize or something. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, manifest. Yeah, self-manifest. It was more than just function. Uh, you know, form-following function. So, Alex, I don't know if you quite asked actually, though. Then why Angus named the company Alistair besides the fact that the domain was uh, name was available <laughs> and he had read the book. <laughs> Can you give an explanation as to that? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it goes back to uh, the Ousters having, you know, it's, it's a somewhat um, optimistic view on technology's application to humanity. And so that's, you know, that's one of the things we're trying to do here is, well, uh, 
to take an optimistic view on what LiDAR can be used for and inside and outside of the, the AV industry and, um, and, and just kind of, yeah, take that positive approach to engineering and, and progress. You said something interesting there. Well, you said a few interesting things, not just one interesting thing, but the one that I just honed in on is that you mentioned inside and outside of the autonomous vehicle industry. And I think that there is in the world of LIDAR, oftentimes the lens that we look at it through or in the context is always related to autonomous vehicles. Um, you are looking outside of that. And is that always been the business model or is that fairly new to sort of be looking at other use cases for LIDAR? It's, it's, yeah, it's always been the business model. I think people don't appreciate there's, there's like a, a Cambri- Cambrian explosion of, of opportunities for LIDAR in the world. Um, I think it's probably like, like cameras uh, 20 years ago where um, people realize you can just get something better by using a new sensor modality. And, and that's true across, you know, many, many, many industries. And we, we kind of, we, we acknowledge that early on, uh, what, basically when we founded Ouster, we knew that it's, well, it's just common sense not to be beholden to one industry, especially not one that's subject to, you know, like significant technological and timeline risk, like self-driving cars. Um, and so, while you know, it's like, we want to be optimists and believe that any market is going to, you know, move fast and, and uh, develop technology that gets into the wild at scale. We also uh, take the, the pessimists, pessimist view or the wary view and, and wanted to hedge our bets across many industries. So yeah, it's core, core from the start. Yeah. And, and this is, seems to have become a, a, a pretty important um, sort of uh, approach to take to this because um, I mean, let's be, so, so actually last December I was, uh, I moderated a, a, a discussion at uh, Twitter research, the Twitter research Institute put on, and um, it was about venture capital investing in the, in the AV stack. And basically one of the only things that all of the VCs there uh, could agree on, everyone sort of believed that this, you know, trough of disillusionment was happening and, and it was it created challenges. And like the, <laughs> I asked like, okay, so what is the part of the stack that, um, you know, sort of has been the most overinvested in. And they actually said sensors. They didn't, they didn't say LIDAR, but they said sensors generally. And like, certainly Kirsten can tell you that like, there are a lot of, of LIDAR companies out there. She gets pitched by all of them. Um, and that, and that, you know, right now with, with sort of, with the VC money, maybe not as flowing quite as freely as it was before. And with timelines being pushed out, it seems like the companies that have really bet big, like the whole company around sort of the idea that there'd be a massive market for AVs in the, in the near term, like m- maybe they're kind of having more trouble. Whereas it seems like, uh, and, and I'd love to know more about this sort of like, what are the businesses that you've, that you've looked at that um, are sort of allowing you to build a business in the meantime, like while AVs are, are under development? Yeah. Ha- happy to, to, I, I, to go into that. I, I would expand on kind of what you said about the VC community and, and people placing their bets um, you know, all their eggs in one basket, like it's important. It's, it's best not to try to be the Oracle of, of an industry, especially one like AVs. Like you don't want to, as a sensor company, we don't want to try to bet on when things are going to happen and, and bet the whole company around being right. Um, you know, it's, it's much better to try to put yourself in a position where you don't have to be prescient. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if you're prescient because you're building a product that is, is useful and guaranteed to be the right product across many, many different markets. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of driven all of our decision-making about, about our product at its core from the start. Um, and yeah, and, 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 and we result in a very different looking product than a lot of the other LIDAR companies in the space as a result of that. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, were you, what, what businesses were you looking at early on and what maybe kind of, have there been some that, that surprised you that like there was demand, for your product sort of in the short term from a, from an area that you maybe weren't expecting or, or was this all stuff that you kind of had an idea going in that like, okay, these are going to be the areas where we're going to be able to make some sales in the short term. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, there's always some educated guesses, but I mean, the, we, we always knew that um, smaller scale robotics was going to be a big opportunity for us. We, we always knew that industrial uh, robotics was going to be a big deal. I mean, there are established LIDAR makers in, 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 in the industrial sector that we knew we could compete against there. So there was a precedent. Um, we, uh, 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 we always knew that security surveillance, there was an opportunity there as well. 
um, and also in heavy industry. So things like mining and sectors that, you know, it, it looks a lot like a self-driving car, but it's not on public roads. And so it, there's a lower barrier to developing the technology sometimes. And so we knew that all those were clearly going to be opportunities for us. Um, I think even in 2015, there wasn't such an, an explosion of low-cost drones um, and drone kind of operators. And so maybe that's been a bigger opportunity than we expected at, at the start of the company. Um, and I think that there have also been, I mean, there, there are just hundreds of, of unique one-off applications for LiDAR that you would never kind of think would be an opportunity. Such as? Uh, well, we had a group scanning elephants in Sumatra for a children's museum in, in, in the UK. Um, and, you know, I, I, it just showed up on Instagram one day. Um, our sensor in front of a, of a, of a big elephant in the jungle. Um, that, that's one example. That's cool. Um, yeah. There, there, and, and that's kind of a fun, you know, there are a lot of fun examples like that or, or examples that are small scale, um, through R and D. Um, but there are also some, some bigger examples in, um, the automation of things like in industry that, that, um, so far have not been possible with cameras or with lower capability uh, LiDAR sensors like automated forklifts or automated uh, mining vehicles and construction vehicles where, um, you know, you're not just driving, you may be driving and performing some other task as well. And then there are things just like in the entertainment industry where VR all of a sudden um, you needs reality capture of outdoor spaces, not just indoor spaces or that, or that's a, a big opportunity for VR. And how do you capture real-time outdoor spaces um, at scale? Um, so, you know, we've gotten into some sports broadcasting even where, you know, trying to, to capture 3D volumetric sporting events with our sensors. Huh. It's a crazy application It's a, and it's really cool. And there's actually real, real opportunity there. Yeah. What is the, um, I mean, you listed just a ton of different examples, but which one has at least in the near term or present day term has the most traction for you? As a company, I don't know if I'm I'm fully willing to to reveal that. Um, you know, th- this goes back to the point of having hundreds of different customers. It is difficult to gauge which individual customers are or or industries are going to be the biggest. Certainly, automotive is is huge for us, and we have a core focus there. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, automotive has got to be a focus. Um, but it but but if you look at smaller scale robotics in aggregate. I mean, we announced with Postmates uh, two or three months ago now. Um, and there, you know, the, the, the volumes that are, that are being discussed are in the, the you know, thousands of units um, for a single operator. And there are many of these types of, you know, small scale logistical robotics operators um, in the world. So significant volumes from from an industry like that, you know, logistics robots. I'm, I'm sorry, but you, you mentioned hundreds of customers, and, and you've given us some examples. What like how what kind of numbers are you doing? Like what, do, what what do all these customers add up to in terms of your your sales, maybe quarterly, annually, just to give us a sense of of how big the market for lidar is right now? Yeah, I know. I, I know you have to ask. Um, <laughs> that's not something that we divulge publicly. What okay. we have divulged is that we have over 500 customers um, today, which. I think is a significant uh, kind of uh, proof point uh, for us. Like uh, we've done that in a, in a year of selling commercially. So um, yeah, we've, we've sold thousands of sensors to date, uh, hundreds of customers. And, um, and that's all I can, can say on that front. Okay. Now, now the, the LIDAR market as a whole, there are kind of public numbers on it being, d- depending on what you include in LIDAR, you, you can put numbers on, on the LIDAR market, the total, the, the TAM. Um, and so when we're really talking LiDAR cells or Ouster cells, high resolution LiDAR sensors. So not just like a single 2D scanning system, like uh, one of these more traditional players like Seek or Hokoyo um, cell, but multi, you know, multi-beam high resolution sensors. Um, and there, um, you know, it's a, it's a multi hundred million dollar market. Um, you know, depending on how you count, maybe it's a, a billion dollar market today, but you know, the, the whole point of, and the reason why this is a crowded space is because that's set to expand by 10, uh, 10 or more X in the next five to 10 years. Right. 
um, as, as this really gets deployed at scale in AVs or in consumer vehicles. As you're looking at the LiDAR industry, I mean, uh, the number that uh, previous number I had was about 70 or so companies calling themselves LiDAR companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I know of at least one that is, has, is no longer in existence um, in the last month or so. Have you seen an appreciable change in the past year, 12 months? in terms of companies that have folded? Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely uh, consolidation happening um, and it's going to continue to happen. I mean, there's just no way to support 70 startup companies in this space. It's not, no mature industry um, looks like that, especially not a high tech industry that that requires a lot of capital to to build the technology. So, you know, this is going to consolidate down to three to five players in the next five, uh, in the next five years. And we're Um, already seeing that happen. So, yeah. yeah. How many, um, how many would you say, I mean, is that 70 numbers still accurate? I mean, from your knowledge of the industry, what's the latest numbers on that? Well, it's funny because I, you know, for every one that seems to go away there, a new one is announced. <laughs> and, um, so from my perspective, the number has stayed static, but I, you know, maybe I'm only aware of 50 of the 70. So, mm-hmm. um, on the whole, it, it's certainly decreasing, um, but yeah, I think it's still around 50, um, 50 plus. Now, how many of those have anything more than a slide deck? It's unclear. Um, I think maybe only a minority have something more than a, a slide deck. And how many have anything more than a benchtop prototype you know, is, is a very, very small minority. Um, and so it's important to have context there, right? Like it, it, there's a huge difference um, for a technology like this between you know, the rhetoric and the, and the reality of the situation for any of these companies. And when you see consolidation, are you mostly seeing companies just fall, you know, folding altogether or are they getting snapped up? I and mean, there's a couple of cases of companies being acquired that uh, really like an aqua hire um, and in some IP um, and bringing them in house to, let's say an autonomous vehicle company or something like that. But it, what, what is generally more the case? Are these companies getting acquired or are they just dying? Yeah, it, it, I, I don't have enough insight into this. Um, you know, it's not, I, I, I certainly we've seen a couple uh, acqui hires in the, in the last year and um, GM uh, picked up a company um, and then Aurora just picked up Blackmore. And, you know, I don't, I don't really want to speak on, I don't know if that was a necessity at, uh, or, or just like the right move for the team. Um, and the company at that time, I think, you know, it's probably a combination of the two. Um, and then I've heard of a couple, uh, a couple companies that have decided to fold. Um, so, so from my perspective, it's, it's kind of a one-to-one ratio. Right. But who um, do you, what Oryx Vision just folded, but they weren't really a LIDAR company. Well, yeah. Or Oryx Vision, Vision wanted to, I guess, position themselves as different. Um, and so they were trying to, you know, not, not talk about themselves as a LiDAR company. They were still range finding with photons. So uh, it, it, I guess it, it d- depends on who you talk to. And so who else would you put in that category? As folding? Yeah. Completely? Yeah. Um, I think Oryx is the most, the, the only really, the only really major um, public um, uh, company that's folded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've heard of maybe some very small other one, uh, other companies, but uh, that really never got off like that that that, that got off the drawing board or raised significant capital. Mm-hmm. I think Oryx is is pretty high profile in that they raised a, a fair amount of capital and had a, had, had a, a good deal of buzz around them for a while. Mm-hmm. Right, we actually had them on the Atonic House. We did at yeah. one point. It was an interesting conversation. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering why, from your perspective, do you think that um, these sort of level four full stack developers think it's so important to have LIDAR uh, in-house for them. Um, and and like, how does that affect how you think about your business um, as an independent supplier? Well, uh, I think that, honestly, I think that partially you have to have a story. Um, and it's important to, LIDAR has been, has, seen, has, has been seen as a critical technology that hasn't been improving fast enough. And so, you know, for the marquee self-driving companies in the space, they feel that to complete the story, one of the things they need to have is is a, a lidar angle in house developing the technology. So they're kind of owning their own destiny, right? Um, and that's it's the same reason they do internal mapping, or they do 
have an internal simulation team. They just want to own like core aspects of their IP. Um, yeah, so so I think that's the reason. And for me as an outsider, I, I, actually each one of those is kind of a it, it puts a chip on my shoulder. Um, it's you know it's another opportunity to eventually sell to a company that bought uh, you know tried to develop internally. And we've seen this time and time again. It's really, really, this technology is super difficult. Um, and it's why there are 70 lighter startups and very few that actually are selling a product today. <clears throat> and so the chances of an internal team um, developing LiDAR that's you know robust enough to put on a, 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 an autonomous vehicle is, is really low, um, just because it's a side kind of shoot of the, the core effort. Um, and... Yeah, so so it's a chip on my shoulder. I I, I uh, expect that the vast majority will be buying from a dedicated lidar supplier in the pretty near future. Interesting. Next couple and, of years. And um, I mean, do you do you feel like as an independent supplier um, who's able to serve not just multiple companies theoretically within the AV space, but even in in all these other sectors as well? I mean, is that going to be giving you uh, efficiencies of scale that will that will help make you more competitive? Is that a, a core part of, of, of your approach or, or is the, is that, is the scale not as important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, the scale is, is incredibly important. Um, driving volume, getting miles on the road on all manner of vehicles, um, and all manner of environments is really, really important for driving down the cost of the product. Um, but also for just working out, you know, any, any edge cases in the product, um, that, that any one customer might not see until they, you know, if we were only selling to AV companies in, in um, Silicon Valley, uh, we wouldn't have seen the, the freezing temperatures of Scandinavia and the blistering hot uh, jungle of Sumatra. So, you know, it, being exposed and exposing the product to these wide ranging environments is, is critical uh, to, to just driving um, improvements in the product itself. Yeah. So um, this, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. This this brings me to a, a topic near and dear to my heart, and I, I promise I'll let Kirsten and Alex get in here in a second. But um, but but like one of the things that we've seen uh, uh, startups uh, struggle with a lot of times has been this idea of like making stuff that doesn't just work, but they can actually uh, be automotive grade. So, <laughs> no, automotive grade specifically, <laughs> right? For 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 companies, you know, sort of from the Silicon Valley ecosystem who are targeting. Uh, the 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 automotive business, right? This is something really important. And even Velodyne, who's you know the the big you know grandpappy of of lidar companies, um, are pioneer are 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 partnering with Vianeer, which is an established automotive uh, uh, tier one supplier, to to help them make it automotive grade. So um, so I'm just curious, you know what what is your what is your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it sounds like you you you're getting some early uh, validation from from your early clients, but what does LiDAR need um, to be not just something that can kind of work uh, experimentally, but that can really hold up to the, the rigors of, of automotive duty? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's a core challenge for the technology. Um, the, the requirements are super stringent um, and it's something everyone's pushing for. I think in Auster's case, we've, uh, you, you would not believe kind of the, the effort and scale at which we've deployed, um, uh, you know, sensors on a testing level into the environment uh, across many different environments. It's, I can't quite get into the specifics, but it's a massive, massive effort um, uh, that, that we've decided to kind of take this two pronged approach where we're going to put sensors in real world environments and just, um, and, and, uh, and, and abuse them that way, uh, you know, power wash them daily and things like that, um, sandblast them. Um, and, and then there's the uh, much more measured, um, uh, approach of, of doing this internal qualification and, um, cyclical improvement cycle. So that, uh, is also, you know, you have to invest in an internal quality team and reliability team. Um, and, 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 and you can't overlook that it's a multi-year process to get the technology to, to the point where it's actually automotive grade. Like it's, it's pretty crazy what an automotive spec, um, is, for components like 105C operation. That means yeah. the environment is 105C. That, that means the device is operating above that. It's above boiling the entire device the, for, for its entire lifetime or, or for, for, for the spec lifetime. So, um, you know, pe people don't, I think, appreciate sometimes that they get in their car every day of their lives and it works perfectly. Uh, in, in, in many cases, it works perfectly for years and years on end. 
and uh, and they don't have to think about that. I mean, like what other product is like that in life? Um, and so that's that's um, that's where we have to get with lidar as well, and it's it's a huge challenge, but it's one that's absolutely possible, and you know, it just takes a lot of appreciation of the task at hand. You mentioned you mentioned testing though. Just can we really? I mean, is that something you're doing? yourself you you talk about this happening at a really high scale is that happening with partners is that happening by yourself a mix of both yeah yeah we have kind of a unique arrangement where we um do testing with partners in field um at a at a at a large scale um and so we we de- decided that that was just it was going to be a differentiating approach for us um uh that that just would capture i mean if you look at an automotive tier 1 they do. Um, they'll, they'll follow a, a, a requirements document and do a lab testing, and then they'll also do thousands of miles of road testing. And um, we're not, you know, we're not at the scale of an automotive tier one yet. <laughs> um, certainly not even close. But 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 we, we we wanted to just take a critical look at well, how can we do those those thousands of miles of on road testing, or, or it's really hundreds of thousands of miles of on road testing. Um, you know, how can we do that? Um, we certainly don't have the capital to deploy like a tier one, but, but let's try to do it anyway, um, by being creative. So we have that effort and then we have, uh, we have all the lab testing and we do that all. It's a lot of it is in house. It's, it's just investment in, in all the equipment to do it in house, um, as well. So Angus, there was a, uh, an article in Ars Technica, I guess, how long ago was it? Uh, in February of this year where they laid out the different, uh, LIDAR companies, they, Placed you in the same category at uh, in terms of hardware design as Velodyne, and and one of the statements was uh, that whether or not spitting lidar can be made cheap and reliable enough for mass market use. And then they go down through the other ones, and I think basically the conclusion of the article was that everything else is theoretically cheaper, but no one has actually come to the market with something deployable on a car. So mm-hmm. is that generalization true? That generaliz- generalization is true depending on the timeline you look out to, mm-hmm. right? Like um, if if we're looking out 50 years, I can guarantee that solid state LiDAR will be cheaper than, than, than spinning LiDAR. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be more performant though, mm-hmm. um, as a side note, but, but, it, but it will be cheaper. Um, but if you look out five years, maybe even 10 years, it's unclear um, what, what will be what will be cheaper per kind of unit performance? Um, you always have to keep in mind the, the performance of the device, whether it's the resolution or the range, right? Because, um, you know, there, there will be certain concessions that are made to get LiDAR down to the cost point that's necessary for consumer vehicles. Um, you know, limiting the field of view is the most obvious example, whereas spinning three, you know, 360 degree LiDAR has a lot more points and a lot more resolution because it's season 360, but you just don't need that for uh, forward-facing L4 um, uh, uh, systems or L3, L4, ADAS systems for consumers. You just need a forward-looking uh, lidar in, in many cases. Um, so, so yeah, you can you can drive costs out of the the, the product that way. Um, but there's a concession there. So, um, yeah, I, I use the analogy and uh, of of actually the hard drive industry and and uh, of spinning hard drives versus solid-state hard drives, where even today, a spinning hard drive in the in the highest density, you know, four and eight terabyte drives are a better bang for buck than than solid state technology. Mm-hmm. And and so, it's a very long transition. Um, it, well, it has been in that industry, um, and it's amazing how what the staying power of spinning spinning media in in that industry. It's like it's been what twenty years. That, that we've had solid state drives and it's still in uh, and it's still a revel- relevant technology. So um, maybe I just like that analogy because it's actually spinning. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that actually it, it, it's, it's relatively spot on. So it's everybody or so do you anticipate that you will pivot or add solid state to your portfolio when you can build it at scale of for affordable use by car manufacturers? Yeah, I think what it's that's a hundred percent. Yes. So we've okay. always assumed that we would um, add. We will never transition, but we will add products that are solid state, um, and and that's because there's a really good use case for 360 degree field view sensors. You know, they're they're more performant and they're a better. You know, for for a long time, they're going to be a better um, a value 
than a solid state uh, sensor. So, so we always, we think about adding products, not um, replacing them. Um, and I think one thing that people don't really give Ouster appreciation, uh, enough appreciation for is the fact that we've, we've actually built an incredibly sophisticated solid state, solid state LIDAR um, technology in our spinning devices. Um, so, so you can, you can kind of pull off the optical head of, of our sensor today and, and it's it's um, not hyperbole to say it's the world's most sophisticated solid state lidar. Like it's um, it's this single chip semiconductor solution that that's uh, that no one else has commercialized to date in in the long range like three D sensing market. So um, you know we've had a lot of of customers that have had internal lidar projects where they've been blown away and completely surprised that we've taken this all semiconductor approach and made it work today as opposed to in five to 10 years. Everyone knew that the kind of technologies that we're operating with were, were possible eventually to use, but, um, but not so soon. Can, can you just contrast what you just said with sort of what you would find if you, if you opened up a, you know, some other company X's LIDAR unit that, that maybe competes with yours? Um, uh, what, what have you sort of turned into this solid state solution? Sure. Yeah. The, the analogy is kind of like it's, it's traditional Analog technologies is what our competitors have been operating under versus an integrated digital LiDAR, uh, which is what we've developed. So in our case, we have a single silicon chip that um, that has all of the logic and the detectors um, that drive the, the core performance and price and compactness of the product. So instead of when we improve our product, we improve a chip inside our product. Um, like you would replace an Intel chip in your in your laptop and get fundamentally improved performance. Same idea with us. Um, and that's a fundamentally kind of new um, paradigm for LiDAR that hasn't existed before. Now, if you look at uh, the legacy products from competitors, they're using thousands of discrete electronic components all strung together um, in, in, to, to achieve the functionality of this single integrated chip that, that we've developed. And, um, and so... Anytime you have thousands of components all interacting and you have to align them all and it's a difficult manufacturing process and just the cost of thousands of, of components is, is insurmountable um, to begin with. Um, it, 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 it's just, a, yeah, that, that's, that's the kind of legacy model that, that people have been operating under where um, there's linear scaling of performance and part count um, with resolution. Um, with, with resolution. When you talk about those competitors in that last comparison, would you include Waymo in that list? Um, in terms of describing well, like... In, in terms of competitor? Uh, in terms of, well, the reason why I list them as a competitor is because they have um, at least indicated... I, 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 let, let me put it <laughs> let, let me put it this way. Uh, Waymo is another chip on my shoulder. <laughs> I, I would love for Waymo to eventually buy our products and we'll see if it happens. Okay. But um, just to be clear on when you're um, outlining the comparison between the internal workings of your product and, and then quote unquote competitors, I'm wondering, mm -hmm. would you include Waymo in that list of like all the different internal components just to. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a Waymo LiDAR is, is, yep. It uses, well, there are three different uh, Waymo LiDARs and they all kind of, uh, operate somewhat differently. There's one fiber laser that's really long range and looks more like a, like a luminar uh, maybe, but then there are two other uh, lidars on the, on the vehicle. Um, uh, the, the short range one, and then the, the mid, mid to long range one. Um, and those use essentially the same technology that all these other um, legacy operators use. And, and they have similar issues with linear scaling of, of price and, and complexity with, with um, performance. So, um, yeah, and 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 that's that's what's publicly available. So I, I'm sure that they're working on on more and increasingly uh, kind of uh, envelope pushing um, products. And yeah, I know they're not sitting on their laurels. So has Waymo? I mean, here, okay, two follow up questions, and then I'll uh, I'll unleash Alex on this. <sighs> uh, so Waymo has talked about um, their Honey Bear, Laser Bear, it's called short oh, no, range honey, lidar honeycomb. product that Laser Bear something. It's Honey Bear. I yeah yeah. Bears mm -hmm. are involved and they shoot lasers out. Yeah. Um, they have, uh, are going after some of those outside of the AV market, um, as you are. Uh, so it seems like they would potentially be competitors. So 
one, are you worried about that at all? Two, you mentioned, you know, hopefully Waymo um, comes to Ouster and starts using Ouster's products. So has Waymo talked to Ouster? Have you guys ever talked? Uh, I, yeah, I can't, I can't uh, talk about any kind of specific customer engagements uh, or potential customer engagements, but I, I, I love, I love the competition. Uh, you know, I think it's great to have uh, other operators in the space um, like, like Waymo kind of pushing the envelope uh, potentially with their honey comb. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll just have to see, see what plays out in this industry. Um, but we have a bunch of stuff that's happening in the next six months that I think will help clarify um, the landscape. Like? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Look, we only have one product today. Uh, we've, we've announced a couple more um, publicly. And, uh, and that's, you know, the core ouster is choosing technologies that can be rapidly innovated and, and improved. Um, so, yeah. Alex? Well, my, my question was, and I, of course, you're not going to want to answer it is, you know, how, how have you been? And if so, how often have you been approached about a potential acquisition? All right. So uh, no comment. <laughs> This is the atonic. Oh, this is the atonic. This is the atonic. The thing is, like, uh, I, I, I honestly, we're here to to commercialize the technology. That's what the people at Ouster came to do, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's much more difficult to commercialize the technology um, if you get acquired in the way that people have been getting acquired uh, in this industry. Right? Ouster has not taken an AV centric view. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's important that I, I'm a roboticist. A lot of the people here are roboticists and um, sensor technology is one of the core drivers of, of kind of new research and innovation in these fields. And so pe- people need access to increasingly performant and affordable um, technology. And Ouster is providing that. It's why we have our educational discounts and things like that, nonprofit discounts. It's so we can get better technology into people's hands as soon as possible. And so you know, I, I, um, I really value that, that side of what Auster is doing and getting acquired, you know, maybe it makes, I'm, I'm, I would never rule it out. Um, you know, I have a bunch of responsibilities to a bunch of different, um, uh, uh, parties, uh, being the CEO, but, uh, I, I certainly value what we've been doing, um, supplying LIDAR to a broad uh, set of, of industries and customers. So, so I have to ask the, the question, I'm sure you get asked it all the time, but, um, you know, a certain individual who is very good at getting a lot of, uh, <laughs> of media coverage, um, Are you talking has about no idea who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it's me. George, George, <laughs> it's me. George Hopp. Uh, no, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I see it all the time. I mean, I, I, you know, I like always spend a lot of time reading forums, probably more than I should, just because I like to understand how people are are perceiving things. And like th- this, I this idea that lidar is a crutch, um, that it uh, somehow uh, holds back AV development, and that ultimately it will be rendered totally irrelevant by, I guess, a breakthrough in computer vision. Um, this is, this is, this meme has become popular. It's, it's, uh-huh. you know, for better or for worse, it's, it's part of the discourse that we have to deal with. Isn't it crazy? This is the world <laughs> we live in. Like, like LIDAR is front page. Well, does that make you a little news. bit excited that what you're, you like, know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I, did you expect that ever? No, no, not at all. Um, this is, yeah, Alistair is not a vanity project. I wasn't <laughs> trying to, to, to make the news. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's, it's incredible that this is, this is where this, like the technology is for some reason, either controversial enough or interesting enough that, that people are talking about it in somewhat popular media. Yeah. And, and so what's your, what's your response to that, that criticism or, or that sort of dismissal of LIDAR? Well, um, first of all, it doesn't really affect Ouster because people are buying our products and like, you know, it's not like we saw a dip in sales after Elon uh, announced that, uh, you know, made those claims. Um, So yeah, (laughs) no correlation with, with sales uh, trajectory there. Um, But, but look, I mean, if safety technology generally, first of all, engineering is filled with crutches. Um, You know, the, 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 your plane has a, a radar altimeter 
It has all kinds of airspeed sensors. Um, and, you know, birds can fly with just their eyes, um, but humans fly in planes that have a lot of sensors to, to keep us safe. So, you know, and, and, and you, could, you could turn off all those sensors on a plane and a, a pilot could fly it most of the time. And then every once in a while, it would, it would heinously crash and it would be awful. Um, and, and no one is going to, you know, if you could save 50 bucks on your plane ticket, but they're like, but we're going to remove the, the redundant airspeed sensor and, uh, and the redundant uh, laser uh, r- radar altimeter. Um, no one is going to make that. And, and then, and then every once in a while you heard about some heinous accident. You, know, you mean no, like no, Boeing crashes? Yeah. You, well, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, I mean like exactly right. Like society has set up these kind of standards of, um, of, of safety regulations especially when and when people are giving over their control to a machine or to a or to a, a like an, another operator where where they don't feel in control um and and there's essentially no limit to how safe you can make um those types of um those types of vehicles right and like n- no one is saying that planes are safe enough like planes have to be perfect that's the only option and they're going to continue to be regulated until you know, until as they and, and and just be pushed closer and closer to perfect, and so I actually think you know if you if you look out and um, and it costs an extra five hundred bucks to put a lidar on your vehicle, um, and uh, in let's say five years, and the option is okay, you can you can you can have the lidar on your vehicle and it's going to be five hundred bucks, and your chance of let's say your chance without the lidar of of dying is ten x lower than if you were to just drive yourself. So it's already, you know, camera-based systems are 10 times safer than humans. That still means that 4,000 people a year are dying in the U.S. heinously um, while on on some sort of automated system, right? It's like freak accidents are killing 4,000 people a year. And, and you never know when you're going to get in your car uh, when that's going to happen. I would not fall asleep in that kind of vehicle. Now let's say that, okay, adding a LiDAR for 500 bucks makes it another 10 times uh, safer a lot of people are going to be willing to pay that extra cost just to increase the safety another order of magnitude. Um, I don't know what the numbers are um, for, you know, for, for, for that specific example, but I think that trends in safety, especially when people are taken out of control um, are, are always towards um, it, it just, just massive improvements or, or always towards a, a greater, greater safety and not, um, and not avoiding kind of uh, more costs. I mean, then the other flip, the flip side of the coin is that just lidar is going to get cheap enough as a technology that you don't have to make, you just don't have to make the choice to begin with. Like it's on either or like lidar will be commercialized like any other automotive safety technology, whether it's airbags or seat belts or electronic stability control, anti-lock brakes, uh, forward collision alerts with automotive radar uh, and now uh, active vision systems. Every single one of those started off as a multi-thousand dollar safety package. And every single one of those, literally every one is now a mandated required um, system in some parts of the world, most recently with, with pre, uh, pre-collision breaking in, in Europe. Um, so like, do we really think LiDAR is different? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I think, you know, people, obviously everybody in the AV space uses computer vision. Um, and so I think sometimes, and, and it's obviously been a very powerful to one of the things along with LiDAR that has really enabled the, the progress we've seen with AVs. Um, but I think like a lot of times people don't want to acknowledge the fact that like there are actually reasons to be concerned that computer vision will struggle to be 100% reliable. Is that, is that sort of the core idea here that like even though computer vision can, can improve, I mean, in addition to, to what you've already said, which was all very clear, um, it, like, is there a sense that that, that computer uh, vision will com- continue to progress, but that like getting it to a place of of real, you know, nine nines sort of on its own, uh, that that sort of the 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 fact that it kind of makes these correlations that aren't always uh, that are you know can be opaque, uh, can really be audited. I mean, is is that why lidar sort of will will have a place even long term, besides the cost and all that? Well, okay, yeah, I mean, I mean. Y- Yes, that that is the other reason is just like the expectation that computer vision is going to improve exponentially and be perfectly solved um, better than a human in all scenarios is, I think, uh, naive. Right. Um, and, and here's an example. Um, so that, that, that may resonate with people. So 
if you are using your uh, touch ID sensor on, on an iPhone um, or a face ID sensor, you know, how often um, does, and that, that's a machine learning system, right? It's using machine learning and something that is essentially an image sensor, whether it's a, a fingerprint reader or, or a camera, they're, they're both creating kind of image imagery um, and then putting it through a machine learning model and then deciding whether it's you or not. It's very constrained. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand times it gets it wrong and doesn't unlock your phone. And then you have to put in it. it it's, it's, it's frequent enough like that on this extra constrained example that, you know, even that is not even close to, you know, you need it to be like one in a million times before you put a system like that in a car. So, you know, th- there are these really obvious examples from, you know, the real world that rely on imagery and machine learning that are not nearly accurate enough. Um, and, 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 and so thinking that for some reason, self-driving cars are different. Computer vision is different than all these other examples of, of uh, computer vision just seems, um, again, naive. So I want to recap this last almost hour. Now we've got a science fiction lesson from Alex. (laughs) We, we, we managed to get Elon Musk in there, of course. Um, thanks Ed. And uh, we, of course, heard a lot about the background of Alistair and, and where it's headed. Um, Angus, before we wrap things up, I, I'm curious if you have any other predictions uh, beyond just the consolidation um, piece and, and really what we can expect from Alistair. But, you know, in the greater, and you've sort of hinted at this a little bit uh, throughout, throughout the hour, but sort of what we can expect and how LIDAR is going to impact specifically the autonomous vehicle industry. but but maybe a couple of other industries. I mean, do you think that there will be? I hate to use the word disruption, but a a a jumping forward in terms of progress as a result of lidar um, in the next year or two, or do you see this as still in development? And really, kind of the progress we'll see is going to be like maybe five years down the line. No, I think that they're they're. Um, enough industries uh, using LIDAR today and, and looking at, you know, really near-term opportunities. Uh, you know, one I, I failed to mention was just the whole trucking industry, uh, you know, uh, announced with NVIDIA trucks just the other week. Like, the, the, there are examples like that where um, there's a much more kind of constrained timeline to getting um, uh, the technology on the roads really uh, affecting, you know, an important industry. Uh, positively in the near term. So um, I, I think this is, this is going to happen uh, imminently. It's, and, and I would say, you know, looking out long-term, I don't see just like cameras are a pervasive, pervasive technology today. It's a, you can't imagine a world at this point where there aren't just, you know, low cost cameras everywhere. Um, I think the same will happen with LIDAR. Um, you won't be able in 20 years, you won't really be able to imagine a, a, a world in which there's not kind of this ambient perception layer that, that, um, that, that knows kind of that, that can understand the environment, um, extremely, uh, uh, extremely accurately. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words here, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean the, the, the idea that, yeah, that, that, that LIDAR is a pervasive technology. It's not like this, it's not a step along the way. It's it's here for good, um, and and it's just going to become a pervasive um, uh, technology, and and everyone will know the know the name. Well, Alex, based do on you have how any closing. <sighs> oh, sorry, Ed. Go oh ahead. no, I was just going to say, based on how uh, clearly emotional this vision of a of an ubiquitous lidar future is for you, <laughs> I think that's uh, it says a lot about your passion about this subject. So yeah, no, thank you for uh, for sharing with us today. I'll tell you this, I'd much rather have ubiquitous LiDAR than ubiquitous camera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, there's a lot of privacy benefits to something that can't really ID your face. Um, and yes, and but that's a whole other episode. Indeed. And I'd love to... <laughs> yeah, that is a whole never another episode. You just gave me uh, another idea. Are you going to steal that idea? That'd be a great article. Ed, you should write that article. Don't give it to Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Um, well, anything in closing, Alex, cause we all know you're the real star here. I'm going to go back and read my Hyperion Cantos because I don't think I had my, my memory wasn't quite right there. Huh. Um, and we can discuss this another time. 
That's the closest you're going to get to Alex saying I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't say I was wrong. I was no, I was really moved. <laughs> I, no, I, I thought it was really cool what you said about aviation. It's like no one has no. We fly all the time, but no one would say, "Oh, planes." are good enough. <laughs> you know, like no one says that. Yeah. So uh, I, I will Take quote a, a, a certain out. friend of mine. It was yeah, a we're all good. We don't need um, it anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Brian, my friend Brian, CEO of Argo, I said to him once, I'm like, so how do you feel about the guys who say, oh, LiDAR's a crutch? He's this, And he's like, well, if you're going to bet your life on something, do you really want to bet your life on the guys who wanted to save a couple grand? Like, wouldn't you just want to spend it? <laughs> like, and like, yeah, that, that pretty much sums up my life. So fair enough. All right. Thanks. Well, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, this was a, a blast guys. Yeah, absolutely. And before we go, um, if people want to, you know, maybe follow you on social media or the company, like where, <laughs> where, where can people, where can people find out more? I, uh, I, I'm not on social media. Uh, <laughs> Probably I, I, a wise decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm still rocking a flip phone, so I, um, <laughs> I've kind of, uh, I, I, I'm a, um, I'm, I'm uh, full of hypocrisy. <laughs> uh, actually, not. You're not wasting your time on social media, and instead, you're trying to build things. So this is yeah, fine. Perhaps, that's perhaps. totally appropriate. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they, they can. I mean, I think the, the best thing is the Ouster blog. Um, I actually spent a fair amount of time writing on that, and it's a it's a real source of information and we um, try as best we can not to be biased and just kind of share a, a technical view of our products and markets and things like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and where do people find that? That's on the Aster website. If you just aster.com slash blog, I think is the, yeah, it's, it's up at the top. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was, I was just reading something that I'm, I'm bummed we didn't have time to discuss, which is how you guys are dealing with bugs splatting against your sensors. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe we'll have to have you back so we can, we can discuss that. I would love that. That would be great. All right. Thanks so much. And listen for next week with another episode of the Atomic House.